Hi, welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about being purposeful and progressing. We are trading out feelings of discontent, fear, anxiety, and defeat for joy, peace, freedom, and hope. And we have a whole different setup today. I am with our favorite money guru, Sarah Hobbs. Hey. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> And we are journeying into the realm of video, which that's a comfortable area, I guess, part of for Sarah, right? Well, I, yeah, just because I can't get my lighting right. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally a comfortable area. She definitely does a lot more video than I do. Usually, I am just the voice. That's it, right? <laughs> oh, you said comfortable. I thought you said uncomfortable. Oh, no, no, no. You're yeah. more comfortable in the in the realm of video because yes. you do a lot of video for, like, the curriculum and so forth. Right. Um, whereas I am just the voice usually, so we're going to let that not be too distracting. And I do usually have my notes, so I'm going to do my best to, like, <laughs> swap back and forth a little bit. Um, but, of course, if we've got Sarah, what are we talking about? We're talking about money. Right. And... All year long, we've been talking about writing our story and, um, you know, making our lives a reflection of not what it is and not letting life happen to us, but helping to create the story that we really want and what God intended for us. So what better way to start is to talk about what does God want for us in terms of money? So, um, you know, I don't want to take completely over. I'm going to let you talk and I'll slip in some things from my notes and so forth. And, um, so, so if we had God's perfect plan for money, Sarah, what do you think that that looks like? I think that it would involve generosity. Um, I think that it would involve a healthy relationship with it in terms of, you know, Matthew 6, 24, I've been thinking about that verse a lot. And that's the one about you can't serve two masters. You're either serving God or mammon. Um, so it becomes a choice of, it, and it's so ironic. We've talked about this before, but I was just doing a little reel on Facebook about ultimately every single choice that we make is an indication of who we're choosing to serve. So I think I think in the perfect in the perfect world, we would be serving God with every single financial choice and decision that we make. Like, what is this? Ultimately, are we drawing closer to him with this? Or is this the enemy attempting to push us away from him? Um, so I think that plays a lot into it. And it's, you and I talked. I did, I did write that verse down. Yeah. And I learned that too because I was like, I want to understand exactly, and you may have more words on this, but mammon, I think, escapes a lot of people. So I wanted to address that because uh, it doesn't just say money and it doesn't just say wealth. And it says specifically wealth regarded as a false idol was what I read. Yes. Um, I don't know if you have more to add to that, but um, kind of like what you said, that money can go either way. Um I also had written down that money is neutral if we give the power to it, whether it's for good or bad. Right. And so when it says you can't serve God and mammon, he doesn't specifically say wealth. He's saying wealth when we do put it in the realm of a false idol. And um, do you have anything more to say on that or that cover it pretty good? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I 100% agree with that. And the mammon, and I've been really curious about about what exactly that is because I think 
I think it encompasses a lot more than I realize at this point in my journey and I'm still I'm still kind of walking through that with God and have and asking him to take me deeper into that financial understanding of of what it says in the Bible and what it means not to serve mammon like because I think I think it is a spirit that's attached I think it it's definitely we're fighting this is a spiritual war right so right um I don't. I, I know that there's more to it than I have an understanding, and maybe I will never fully understand what it means. But it's it says right there, God or Mammon. It's a clear choice. So if it's not good, it's evil. So yeah. that's kind of that's the perspective that I'm taking with it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. And, and like, I know, like, I feel like I had a hard time even just like, gosh, there's just so much you could talk about money, like forever. And, and I was trying to like, kind of like, okay, how do I give this structure and so forth? Um, so, so what some of the stuff I put, and I'm sure you'll have something probably comments at least on some of it. So one was stewardship, that Mm -hmm. that's a part of God's plan. Um, you know, planning for the money, um, that we're being managers of the money, um, I don't have to necessarily list out all the, the scriptures on that. There's quite a few, but I'll put them in the show notes. But there's a lot about, you know, properly planning with the money and so forth and, and just being good stewards of what we're given. Um, the daily dependence on God, and this was a big one that really stood out to me, particularly on working on this this particular episode, um, that it's not, and I, I think this kind of goes along with what you were trying to figure out. It goes along with... Um, you know, we, we, we tend to want money almost, if you think about it, sometimes to be independent from God. Mm-hmm. Like, once I get this, I'm good. I don't need anything anymore. I don't need anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's never been God's intention. And so, you know, of course, in what, Matthew six eleven, give us the day, our daily bread. Give us what I need. It, one thing I read said, you know, to, if you have to, to say, give give us this day my daily paycheck, <laughs> what my, my allowance or whatever, what I need to make it through the day, but not that it's enough to go, okay, God, I'm good now, and I don't need you. Um, so it's a daily dependence on God um, and putting our hope regularly in God and not wealth, because there, like you said, there's a fine line there. Um, tithing, of course, is part of God's plan, and that has a lot to do with recognizing that God is the source of everything um that whether it draws us to draws us and others to christ um is a big part of it i think um the it's oh here i put it it's a demonstration of his power and goodness um there was several different things but like it shouldn't become like its own power basically it's a demonstration of his power um and what he is capable of doing Um, I put the generosity, um, cheerful generosity, that um, sometimes we get <laughs> generosity with a little bit of a grimace, or I have to, and you know, just a reminder that there's there's no greater compliment than imitation, and so mm-hmm. our generosity should imitate God, um, and of course He gives very generously, whether you feel it in your bank account right now, He gives us very generously, because um, it's not all about money. Um, that it should be for furthering the kingdom. Our treasure should be um, in heaven, not on earth. The balance saving, not wasteful, hasty spending. Um, our heart belonging to God and our money, like you said. You are rattling off. 
a lot of a lot i know i'm gonna let you go yeah um this was like i was just trying to like bullet point okay these are god's plans freedom non-enslavement and peace all right so go okay (laughs) so i'm trying to there were i know you're holding back you're like there are a few that stuck out to me the two two right off the bat were having that balance between preparing like the preparation saving money i was thinking about that today because at what point in time you know give us this day our daily bread so at what point in time does it become us thinking that because we have the savings account set aside because we've planned for this how at what point does it become us thinking that we're the ones that save that money, that we're the ones that were responsible for that, that we're the ones that are going to take care of ourselves if there's an emergency. When in and fact, we're the reason that we can rescue ourselves. Correct. When in fact it's God who has allowed us the provision, he's given us this provision, but then at the end of the day, we don't take any of our riches with us. We don't take anything with us. And I, I was thinking, so where's the balance in that? Because... The scripture does tell us we should plan and prepare. So it talks, I don't know where, I'm no theologian. It talks somewhere about um, figuring out the cost of things. I have that one right here. Luke 14, (laughs) no kidding, 28 through 30. This is how we work, guys. We just bounce off each other. Luke 14, 28 through 30. I would just put tower. But, yeah, you don't start a tower and not figure out the cost and so forth. Right. Yeah, so we're supposed to sit down and plan, and we're supposed to prepare. So I do think that there's obviously a place for that, but it – I guess that's where our human egos come into play is that when we get to a certain point, it's easy for us to see that money in savings. That's mine. I'm going to rescue myself. I don't have to rely on God because I've got this money over here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, we are to, to put some away. Um, and, and there is references to that and it is such a weird balance. There's a lot of weird balances mm-hmm. when it comes to money, especially. I think that's the hardest thing. It's constant balance and rebalancing. And I think the only way you're ever going to know is if you're constantly seeking God and praying over it. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend recently who was like, I, I've done good and I have a good savings account. And should I be keeping all of it in my savings account? And I'm like, no, because there's your, that's too much to have in there. such a low interest rate. So she was working on making plans. And, you know, and of course, you know, we should pray over that when it's like, okay, what should I do with these things? And sometimes... You know, we have it aside because God's going to, you know, you may have, I'm saving for this new car or whatever. And suddenly God goes, hey, there's this family down the road that's living in their car. You know, right. you never know what he's going to throw at you. Right. And so, um, you know, it's constant prayer. And sure enough, like some crazy things happen with her job and so forth. And and who all, who all knows what the exact plan is with that. So, um we always can have some plans to one of course to avoid debt that's not a bad thing either to go okay i need i'm gonna need this new thing in a certain amount of time i'm gonna save up for it but it's funny how sometimes our plans will quickly change because god god redirects our steps so i i think that's that kind of like part of that balance it is yeah for sure and i think that's so that's a very interesting aspect of saving money too because ultimately God's in control of everything. So what we may think that that savings is for actually comes in into play for a different purpose. So I think 
I mean, I don't mean, I'm not trying to sound, you know, like I'm being a smart aleck or anything, but it's like easy come, easy go. I think you just have to recognize that God will provide, but he might have, you may have saved for years to reach $10,000. And then suddenly here comes God and he says, okay, that's for them. That's for this purpose, not what you thought it was for. And I think... I think part of that mentality that we should have is to recognize that it's not ours to begin with. We're we're stewards. This right. is when our where our stewardship comes into play and our management of that money comes into play. But ultimately if he tells us that's for somebody else, we go with it because we know it's all gonna be good. I mean he knows what we need. And I certainly don't want to be disobedient and have like no. worse happen, no. <laughs> No, I mean, you don't, and you know that you're going to feel fulfilled when you're obedient to Christ. There's, you just, it just feels good, you know, it really does. Yeah, you know, and we've talked about it before that, you know, so many times when when we do those things, we end up blessed anyhow, even if it isn't Mm -hmm. just by the Spirit and so forth, but um, there's never been bad that's come from, from obeying. No. You'd be shocked, I'd be shocked if you told me that there was, and... There might be bumps in the road, and there might be hurdles from obeying, but from true, true bad, I just don't see it. I mean, if you, if you go back to my favorite verse, the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it's to, it is to prosper you, and it may not look like what we think is prosperous, but it, it is to give you hope in a future that He will sustain you, and um, even if it doesn't look like what our concepts are of those things right now, and I think, I think you really hit it is that we have to let go of a lot of what our ideals and standards are and i don't think there's a good way of doing that except for constantly keeping that in check i don't think because i think that's a big part of it because you could very easily get in like i'm being look at me i'm being such a good steward and then next thing you know you have started to put that hope in yourself and it's easy and i think too you mentioned wealth at the beginning of of that bullet point list and I think that's where we do have to be very cautious and vigilant and and focused on recognizing the source of our wealth and wealth isn't bad and there's it's how we use it you said that money is neutral that's absolutely correct so how do we look at money how do we look at wealth are we using it to further the kingdom are we using it to help other ministries are we using it it to edify the kingdom of God you know at Wealth is a good thing. You look in the Bible and it's peppered with these stories of, of wealthy people. Wealthy posi- Nehemiah, one of my favorites. He was the king's cupbearer. I started to look into how you how do you get that position? Yeah. You don't just wander off the street and apply for and that you position. Taste this cup, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on yeah. over. That was a position that was Nehemiah was chosen for that because his family came from wealth. They came from circumstances. They were trusted. They were recognized. You know, they were kind of like top dogs or whatever. Because that's such, that that position, there's so much trust that that king has to have in Nehemiah. And you just don't pull somebody off the street. So in that circumstance... Okay, here's here's where wealth allowed Nehemiah to get into this position with the king, and look what Nehemiah did. Right. You know, if you don't know, go back and read that yes. book. Cause that's my personal favorite. Big <laughs> fan of Nehemiah. Big fan yeah. of Nehemiah. But it's but it's true, and I think people, and you know, I'm I'm fairly I didn't grow up in church circles, so I think a lot of the things that people talk about, I'm kind of. 
it's kind of new to me, but I recognize that there there seems to be a bit of a thought process that if you have a lot of money, that you're not doing what you're supposed to do for God. I don't understand that. I you know I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what the roots of that are, other than it's something that the enemy wants them to believe. Well, I think that there have unfortunately been enough because I did grow up in the church circles. Um, I think there have been enough very unfortunately, um, you know, a crooked pastor or something like that that the that is doing things incorrectly or so forth and. Again, that's, that's we're, we just can't get in the, the mode of judging their heart and so forth. I, I do struggle right. a little bit with some pastors that live very affluently, but by golly, at some point, if you're just throwing money at every cause on the planet and money just keeps coming back to you, I, I mean, eventually you can live in some levels of abundance. It just shouldn't be, in my opinion, over the top. Um, yeah. You know, I've always said, like, I, even at this point, like, we probably. We don't want to downside just because my husband built this house, but even still, I'm like, I don't. I would never want something bigger. My kids are are leaving eventually, and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do because um, even if we won the lottery tomorrow, I don't want a bigger house. I don't want to, have to pay someone to clean my house, and right. I mean that's me. And if you have to, you have to. But if if that's how God chose you, you're supposed to spend your money. But we do get in this mode of. I'm thinking, like, to be really spiritual, like, we've got to live a life of scarcity. And mm-hmm. I actually had in my notes, um, the one that pointed out to me, and I'm like, I know this isn't exactly financial, but it's okay to have plenty um, that when you, let, like, fed the 5,000, you know, they started with small, and they didn't have just enough. That one stuck out to me. They had extra. They had leftovers, guys. And so the and, and nobody condemned that and so forth. And there was this, of course, Jesus gives us the perfect, you know, example of, you know, I can start with scarcity. I can make it go further and we can be a good steward of this. I can take care of others. I can be generous and I can still have abundance. How does right. all that work? Well, it's just Jesus. That's all you got to know. It's just right. Jesus. Yeah. And so I thought that was a really good picture, even though it wasn't money. But but the concept is the same. Yeah. I mean, and that's how he speaks. I mean, parables, it's all over the place how he talks to us and gives us those ideas. It's the same concept. And one thing I was reading, um, I don't know, Joseph has been kidnapped at this point. He's working for Pharaoh, and this is when the famine is in the land. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob sends Israel, I guess at this point, sends down all of his sons to go down and and to buy, buy provision, buy grain or whatever. And so I'm reading it, and then I stopped. I'm like, "Uh, wait a second. So they had money. They had the ability. They had the wherewithal in this famine in this horrendous time when people were really struggling god takes care of his people right you know it it hit me like they that's another thing i think that when it comes to money we've been conditioned to i see it a lot where there's this grab 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 as much as you can because you think that there's going to be a lack there's going to be a dearth you're not going to have a much have as much as you need, but God always takes care of his people. You look at these times when that just hit me like a ton of, like a well, ton of bread. even that and you say, but that's even proof sometimes that even if you have all the money, 
without God having made the way for Jacob to have been there. Even with the money, they were not independent of needing God. They had right. money, still needed some other way to get the food because they they could have had all the money and started that because they can't eat the right. money. Yeah. So, yeah. See, this is why this is why it's so interesting. This whole balance, like everything, is about balance. And these, it, there's some scripture that says something about just scales or the lords or something i don't know but i've always liked that idea because it really is in the balance everything that we do how we handle money certainly it goes along with that um i think that's a really if you really were going to break down and simplify god's plan for money i think that that's a lot of it it's just like everything needs to be in a balance um the planning the storing away um the being generous and, and you're not stupid and foolish there's times that God says no, don't don't give to this cause, you know. Right. And and there's some that he'll go, You're gonna give to this cause and I'm like, Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you say so? Um and and so I think it's constant balance and I think the other simplified part is is how much is it consuming everything you do and everything you think of. When it becomes the forefront and I mean, you can go and deep dive into the biblical version of it. And if I guess if the biblical version is what's consuming your mind, maybe you're a little safer. But I mean, if you're just constantly focused on the money and the treasures and the possessions and the abundance and all that, if that's all that consumes you, you're in a da you're a big danger zone. So. For sure, and it's interesting because you know we talk about people not saving money. And then, you know, I've heard, I've heard people talk about almost, it's almost like an obsession of saving money, but then there's criticism within their groups, you know, they're in these groups that are all about stewardship and focused on that, and then suddenly they're hearing from somebody, well, I'm, I'm putting back this much every week out of my paycheck, well, I'm only doing this much, it's weird to me how, you're you're saving but there's a chat there's a little chatter over here that's trying to convince you you're not doing what you should be doing it's just as the same as on the other end if you're not saving money somebody over there is you know what i mean it's like yeah. no matter where you are there's always going to be somebody that's trying to convince you that you're not doing you're not doing it right you're not doing what god wants you to do you're messing up somehow that's all the enemy that's for sure all the enemy chattering and then this there's so much emotion tied in with money and you think about the generational side of it that comes along and what parent you know kids are are mirroring what they see they're they're doing what they've seen their parents do who who are doing what they saw their parents do so you think about how far back some of these habits go and these mindsets of scarcity versus mindsets of abundance yeah. um you know how do you, and I think part of that we have a we have a rescue dog and when he was in foster care there were tons and tons and tons of dogs around so one day I was looking at his little cage he's got all of the toys <laughs> all of the toys are in his little cage and our other little dog who has been with us since she was a puppy she doesn't care right. I'm like look at even even with these dogs <laughs> he's like trying to all of the thing, all of his toys, because he didn't have those toys. 
So well, now it's even, So I, I don't know if you watched that. You introduced me to the class about the creation and working uh -huh. our way through that. Did you catch the um, the image about how like that some of those divisions between what makes man reflection of, of God versus the beast? That one really oh that one really resonated with me. But a lot of that that the dog is exact like he's his natural beast mentality is to hoard and grab and be selfish and so forth. We certainly are not reflecting God when that's what we're emulating at all. Right. And so that's a perfect example of that. And then the other thing that stuck out to me when you were talking was, um, I had only recently remembered this, but I, it's funny when you move through phases of your life, but my podium when my kids were small, um, I ended up teaching a lot of classes. Um, people found out what I used to do as far as, um, financial counseling and in a lot of the church groups and so forth, they would ask me to teach classes. And so many times you would get in a heated debate when I would say, stop buying your children something every time you go to the store. And they're like, oh, they would get all heated. And I'm like, I don't care if you can. I mean, I don't care if you can. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of the damage that you are doing that will be permanent because, and, and, and there's a good chance somebody did it for them. Mm -hmm. And I said, what you're teaching them is they cannot walk into a store without leaving with something. And that begins a life cycle of, you know, I've got to have something. I've got to have something. It, it's, of, of course, what the marketing and everybody else wants you to do um, to, to feed the economy. But it is one of the most damaging things you can do to your children. And so they would ask me, and I'm like, I mean, I didn't want to brag, but at the time, you know, my husband was making really good money. I was like, it is not a matter of ability. Um, the re this is uh, the reason we made this decision was because of the behaviors I saw from counseling all the people, you know, who just didn't know better. And um, they would say, well, what do you do then when your kid's like falling on the floor? And, um, well, we learn to redirect, and of course, you know, we all know what happens when you give into a kid every time they have a tantrum. It's already a problem. But one of the things that we learned to do, and this was fantastic, we told the kids, um, they're, oh, I really want this. I love, oh, awesome. Put that on your Christmas list or whichever was first, which for my poor daughter, her birthday and her and Christmas are really close together. So she pretty much had one list. But um, the, thing, the thing was, is one, it taught them to wait. Two, it taught them of like what is really valued. And I would point that out to them a lot of times. Like, um, remember that one item you were going to die because you didn't have? It didn't even make it on the list. Uh, you know, ever. <laughs> so it wasn't, it, it wasn't as valuable as it felt in that moment. And right. so just teaching some really good behaviors, but unfortunately, like you said, it's been ingrained in us and ingrained in us and passed on and we have to break some of those strongholds. It has to be intentional and it has to be effort put forth to, mm. to break those cycles. And it's just like anything else. It's gonna, it's going to be difficult at first, but then it will get easier. Right. It'll get easier, and soon you'll start to see the rewards. And I think you and I have talked before about delayed gratification. I mean, eventually you start to recognize the benefit of waiting. And I think, I mean, the word wait is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. 
So it's almost like there's a blessing or something for waiting, you know? Exactly. Well, and, you know, it's funny because that's that, – and we'll skip out of, out of my out of my order my, my notes. But that was a big part of what I had was um, – so I recently was doing it for something else. They asked me to do this other little teaching thing. And I had listened to someone talk about that marshmallow test. Have you ever seen the, the video? Yes. Okay. And so yeah. the marshmallow test is they put the little marshmallow in front of the kid, and they're like, okay, you know, don't touch the marshmallow, and I'll be back. And, of course, they intentionally make torture the poor kid. And I've always felt so bad for those poor kids. But if you wait, you get another marshmallow. And in my opinion, I'm like, you should be saying, if you wait, you get, like, five marshmallows. Let's teach them a little bit more reward for waiting. But the point is for to see if they can delay gratification. And it said the whole study began because they felt it was a measure of a, a huge measure of future success, which I thought was very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So their ability to delay gratification was a huge, uh, you know, you know, indication of how successful they would be. So that already should be a clue to us on, <laughs> uh, in many ways, for delaying gratification. But then, so this is what God gave to me this morning. I was telling Sarah um, that, you know, I have a little less time than normal to prepare for this one. And there were just different things that came on. And so um, I had done a lot of work last night, but I just killed it. I felt like God hadn't given me that one, I guess, basically. And, I mean, he gave me a few good stuff, of course. But um, uh, so I was debating, like, should I just read a whole lot this morning during my Bible time on money? Uh, or should I stick to my normal plan and maybe do a little extra reading? And so um, I felt convicted. No, just stick to your normal reading plan first. And... Um, so I'm in Genesis, never excited, unfortunately, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just not excited to be in Genesis and I'm in Genesis 25, 27, 34, you may know what I'm talking about. And it's one that I've listened before and this story bugs me to no end. It's when Esau sells his birthright, right? So he comes in from hunting and I've always been like, Esau, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? So he comes in for bless him for bread and lentil stew. How hungry do you have to be? Like, you can have everything for some bread and lentil stew. And, you know, it is, I looked up to you just to get a little extra definition because, you know, of course, there's more to it later. But that it's the inherited leadership of the family. It's his double portion of inheritance. And it was all for basically his, like, tummy rumbling that he's just like, yeah. And what some of the things that point out was that, um, like BibleStudyTools.com, because now I'm deep diving, of course, into this thing. I'm like, now yeah. it's, it's ringing bells in my head. Um, you know, it showed a lack of respect for his privilege and position, mm -hmm. as well as the careless treatment of God's blessing. He didn't mm -hmm. trust God to provide what he needed when he needed. He tried to take control of the situation um, and feed himself. And so... He, um, I'm going to turn off this notification so it's like going crazy. I've turned this every sound, everything down as possible, but it just keeps on going. Um, so, you know, there was, there were so many problems there that I've never unpacked. I was just like, always like Esau, you're such, you're such an idiot. But one thing that was pointed out, like, it seems crazy to us of like, how could someone give up so much for something so fleeting and, and, and be so careless or so forth? But, you know, how many times do people enslave, them, enslave themselves to debt or put themselves in financial trouble for something as simple as shoes, purses, or dining out? I mean, even going back to just food, you know, they can't afford to eat out, they'll go eat out. And um, 
so he really pointed out to me of like, don't think that we're not all at some point above doing something so silly of going like, yeah, I'll take all my blessings that God gave me because God gave him the ability to be born first. <laughs> and he just was like, you know, none of it matters. It was very careless and reckless abandoned for that, that blessing. So I'll let you wait on that. But that, I thought that was, I thought that was fantastic what he revealed. That story has always bothered me too. I, and every time I read it, I just, I can't, I can't really even think of all the ways that it bothers me. Yeah. There's so many different things I think things I've always blown could... past it, and God was like, not today. Not today, Trisha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's a really good, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that, that he, I mean, how many times have we just, oh, whatever, you know, uh, who cares? I'll deal with it later. It's no big deal. What's the difference? Everything will work out. It, it does, like... Something that you're doing in the moment that you think it's going to solve the problem, the implications for the future are huge. Mm -hmm. And we just don't, part of it, I think, is the world that we live in. We just, we have no attention span whatsoever. We don't, we've been inundated with with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't have... Like, we've been conditioned just to forget about our consequences and accountability. And so thinking about long-term goals, what, <laughs> you know, what's that? Yeah, I've, I've called oh. it, since since I think I was dived into the financial world beginning to begin with, I think I've called it a microwave society is what we live in. It's just, I want it yeah. fast, I want it now. Yeah, I'm sacrificing maybe a little quality, but that's okay, you know. Well, and I mean, that's the thing as stewards that we should really pay attention to because, and it's a constant struggle because it's really, we're, we're really, we, we probably don't even recognize how far gone we are in terms of the way we think about finances, really. So you really have to have a desire and a drive to stop and think about what is this doing? Like, what am I doing with this? And is this going, is this a smart decision to make? And critical thinking skills, you know, stop and think about everything that's involved. And I, I don't, I mean, I know there's a time and place for making snap decisions. I get that. But sometimes we do need to stop, especially if it's a huge financial choice, we need to stop and think, okay, let, let's break this out. Let's take our let's take ourselves out. Let's take emotion out of the equation and look at it from a place of objectivity, and think about what that's going to get me today and what this will get me in the future. And is it in alignment with God's plan for me? And and am I possibly even hindering him from a better blessing? Um, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember if it was on a podcast or something else, but I had this. Um, it's the dumbest thing because it's just a checkbook. But, you know, at one point in time, and I hardly ever use it now, but this was, my kids were like babies at this point in time. And I kept going, man, I should, I didn't, I didn't am getting the cheap cover. And I, so my checkbook would float around and it was getting like beat up to all get out. And like you could barely use them when you finally, you always had to rip the top check off because it's so bad shape, you know. And I was like, gosh, I really need to get a checkbook cover. And I've never just not, like, had the free one. And so every once in a while I would see one and go, oh, I should, like, do that. And then something just kept saying to wait, which is so silly. But it was just like, oh, just wait. And um, this probably went on for, golly, at least six months. And one day one of the most special people that I've ever met in the, in the church realm had walked in 
to our like Sunday school class and she goes, Trish, she said, do you need a checkbook cover? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes I do. <laughs> so she hands me a new tag, leather, um, really nice checkbook cover. It happened to me, my colors at the time were like that chocolate brown and like light blue like grayish blue. Yeah. You know, that was real popular. And that was like my color. Yeah. And it had the sign of the fish. So here she gave me something better than I could have found, better than I could have picked out, it had the symbol of the cross that it came from someone special. And it's still one of my most treasured things. I don't know where it's at right now, but, <laughs> but it meant so much because to me, it was God going, see, I can do better than you can do. Just wait and let me bless you. Stop trying to bless yourself, basically. And so, even like yeah. like I said, with Esau, he didn't trust that God would provide him food. He came in hungry, and that's all he could think about. Instead of going, man, I'm really hungry. Hey, God, God let's talk about this. Can you either provide me food or a way out of this situation? Because I'm about to get rid of my birthright. Yeah, and he was so angry. I mean, Esau was so angry. And how much, how many bad decisions have we made financially that involve anger? Or, or, just, or, or sadness, or loneliness, or, or any know, kind of fear, or depression. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Emotion definitely gets in the way. So let's shift. Let's, because I think that ties into where I wanted to kind of shift to make sure we cover this part is, you know, the finances are almost equally focused for the enemy as, you know, God deals with finances, but boy, does the enemy love some finances. So maybe you mm -hmm. want to start off a little bit with what you were telling me before um, about what you kind of had mapped out in that one verse that you and I were discussing. Oh, yeah, in Matthew 6.24, I did a um, verse mapping exercise of that. So that's the one that talks about you cannot serve um, two masters. You have to choose between God or a mammon. And it's... It, <laughs> At the time when I was doing, what prompted this to begin with, let me back up, was, where does it say that about the love of money is the root of all evil? Is that First Timothy something? Yeah, and, that, and that's what I had in my notes was the root of all evil, and I forgot that it stemmed from that one. Let's see. Um, go ahead. Keep talking. Yeah. I will look it up, and I'll have it. So the root. The love of money, yes. the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. That's huge. All evil, like all. every single thing, all. all of it, everything. Mm -hmm. It encompasses everything if we love it's money, first, love first it. Timothy 6.10. Okay, thank mm -hmm. you. So that prompted me to start thinking about, because I, I, I think... <laughs> I know you're like this, too. I get verses stuck in my head, and I think, okay, what is, there's got to be something more to this, and why Why am I thinking about this so much? So I've been thinking about Matthew 6.24 well, a lot. Well, I told you, because you had mentioned to me that just, like, that week or so, I had been reading my Bible, and my husband's sitting, like, in the same room as me, and I dropped my Bible, and I'm like, all evil? Like, let's just talk about this for a minute. All evil? Like, that's really big, actually. It's yeah. huge. I mean, so you yeah. think about, okay, so then it's all evil. And then I go back to, you have to choose God or mammon. You can't serve, but you can't love two masters. So, <laughs> I mean, I, Trisha, I'll just be honest with you. I'm still digesting. No, I get it. The and the weightiness of all of that. What I, I have some intentions of doing some 
very nerdy like org charts and oh, charts it. and you have to share it and we'll out. like put it all over like the facebook page and so forth no i want it and i want in on that and maybe if you decide write a book i mean i'm in i'm all in yeah because it's just like the significant so obviously obviously god's telling us he's warning us he's giving us a heads up Hey, watch out for this. This is serious. So if God thinks it's so serious, who else is going to think it's serious? So who's going to be tricking everybody and their brother and sneaky and subtle and, and deceiving left and right to try to get us to fall in love with money? Because if we're in love with money, we are not in love with God. We're incapable. We can't love God because we've chosen to love money. There's not room to love two. You choose. You have to pick. Well, and, and, you know, it's funny, like you said that, and then I think that, again, we were just kind of, I just barely touched on the finance part of the relationships because I knew we were doing just one next, and I purposely kind of tried to keep those sorted together, but um, in, that, in that episode, we talked about how the marriage was supposed to be a symbolic uh, representation of the gospel and how Christ you know, gave and sacrificed and all these things. And it's the same thing. I think that it, we know for sure that finances detrimentally affect, um, like, divorce rates and so forth. And I have here some Ameritrade, who is not a Christian uh, organization, but they found 41% of divorced Gen Xers and 29% of boomers say that they flat out ended their marriage because of disagreements about money. But, I mean... To me, that's like, and I'm, and I would bet, and that's people just saying like, yeah, we, we couldn't agree about money, period. But you know, of course, right. that finances were probably all intermingled with so much of it, and it, it influencing their ability to love because maybe they're spending too much time at work, or because you know they kept putting. I've, I've been in a relationship where like, I would have never had anything <laughs> because as fast as I could save it or. Um, pay something off, they were right back into it, into debt. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a dangerous thing. But like you said, while it, it affects our relationship with God, it affects our relationship with our spouse, and then some. Yeah, and you think about. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories that I've heard, and I yeah, stories kind of makes it sound a little cheap. It's not stories. These were significant events in people's lives that were wrapped up in money. Sitting across from me as a banker and seeing so much distress because of financial decisions, there's a lack of communication. You know, one person thinks it should be this way, one person doesn't, so the other person just takes off. I mean, it's it takes off and does what they want to. There's manipulation involved. There's There's lying. There's deceit. There's you know, somebody might have an addiction and they're feeding their addiction with this money. And then... Yeah, I've seen that too. It, it's, it's really sad. It's very sad to see the amount of destruction that money can right. cause. And I guess that's... I mean, that's why I'm so fascinated with those scriptures. Um, because money, when you start to... When you start to sit and think about all of the... Everything that you've seen in your life, all the experience that you personally have or have heard others talk about in relation to money, there's a lot of destruction involved. I would wager I've heard more stories of destruction than I have about oh, good. Oh, yeah. Money. Oh, hands down. Money. 
And sometimes, like I said, mm. sometimes you have to boil it down and boil it down and boil it down. And then at that root, there there's something financial there. And even if it didn't look mm. like it here, you know, that it could be that, like it was alcoholism. But then when you boil it down and boil it down, they were stressed about like they're hiding debt or they were, they, you know, debt is a big one I have in here about it. one of his tools for finding with finances and it coming to, it keeps us enslaved and things like we don't like, we look at it as like, yeah, God doesn't want us to be in debt, like shame on you. And God's going like, no, I know what this does to you. You know, you're a slave. You can't leave that job that is tearing you apart and making you drink because you don't feel like you can afford it because you've got all this debt. And then the reality, if we took all of our debt away, how much are we really going to have to cover every month? We have no car payment, no house payment, and we just have like, you know, some groceries and electricity and so forth. Like we really aren't covering that much. So you could really get a job a lot more in line with what you want or what God wants for you, but now you're enslaved. And so he knows like it steals our freedom. It keeps us from fulfilling, you know, our destinies or whatever that he has planned for us. So there's so much just in that. And like the devil's like, I'm going to throw this shiny pair of new shoes in front of them. And that's going to keep them oppressed for another five years, which seems silly. Well, and think about the, think about the distractions too. So if you are working that job to pay off the debt, and you're depressed and you're an alcoholic and you're doing all these things. The first what's the first thing that you think of when you get up in the morning? More likely it's that debt. It's it's you. in relate yeah. it's some, yeah, it's something it's like a black cloud that hangs over you. So of course the enemy loves that because what are you not thinking of? You're not thinking about God. And really we should start every day. I I feel a hundred percent better when I start every single day just by sitting and talking to God. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, there have been times when I have come out, I've gotten up, I'm sleepy, and the first thing I think of is, oh my gosh, did that check clear? Oh my gosh, did I remember to pay this bill? And it's, it's, so, it's so sneaky how that happens. And you have to be like, wait a second. This time, I need to put that aside. I need to spend time with God because that's, that's the most important thing. Everything's going to be okay if... If I put that off, thinking about that bill that I may or may not have paid for another 20 minutes, it's not going to change it in the long run. Either I did or I didn't. It's true. You know? And, and you know, um, I even, for the most part, I also read my Bible occasionally on my phone, but I realized I'm like, I do better without having that phone there at all. Because next thing I know, I'll be right. like, oh, did I? exactly like what you said. Oh, did I pay that? And then, like, the devil's like, ha-ha, got you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I better just not have that distraction around at all. And if I have to yeah. like look something, Google something or whatever later, then I can, you know, do that after I've done reading the Bible or something, you know, like in the right time frame or something, or I'll use like my iPad has a lot less stuff on it because it's more work focused. And so maybe I'll use that to look it up and make some notes. I use that for a lot of the notes for this what I'm holding right here. So, <laughs> so a lot of notes in here and so forth, but there's less distractions on here and so forth. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even have my banking app on here. I'd have to go get, I, I'm not going to download it, you know? Right. So, and, th and those are, those are small steps that we can all take and those little changes, you don't really think about how impactful they will be, but at the end of the day, just having a separate device 
that doesn't have all that other stuff on it that's not going to be a temptation for you to interrupt your time with right. God to go and, and let me just check my balance real quick. So those little things, people might be like, eh, what's the difference? It's it's huge. And once you start with just a simple change like that, you're going to see some impact. And it's going to make you have a desire to continue on and make some other adjustments because you'll start to feel better yeah. for sure. And you think, I, I looked up a statistic and I can't, it's amazing the amount of time that teens, and I'm talking like late teens to early 20s, spend on devices. It's like eight hours a day or something. It's ridiculous amounts. Then you can you compare that to the amount of digital ad, digital ad spending that marketing agencies and banks in particular do. It's in the billions. So you start to think if you don't, as parents, or you know maybe you're in charge of a child, if you don't recognize the importance of having conversations with them at this juncture in their life when they're young, as young as you can, start talking to them about money because. If you aren't, you can bet that they're getting some false information from what they're seeing on social media and what they're seeing in all of these ads that just pop up and they make promises. They make promises on what, like the shoes and the car well, and the vacations and whatever. You know, I've got one of my next things on the, the tools of the enemy is covetousness and comparison. And um, yeah. for sure, that is deeply rooted in social media and so forth. For and we sure. think like, oh, covet, you know, that means like I want my neighbor's spouse. And that is, no, you could be like, I really, really am dying for those shoes I saw on the ad today or whatever. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm on a shoe thing today, but I'm just going to pick on shoes. But, you know, Better the tires. Yeah, I'm really you were on the tire tires for a while. Um, but, you know, we get in that mode of like, I need, I need, and kids are bad, but so are adults, and we're inundated. But when we kind of expose ourselves to that, we, of course, get weaker. We've talked about, you know, even just how discipline, self-discipline works when we're totally relying on ourselves. It wears down. It wears down throughout the day, or the more times we're, you know, exposed to it, we only have so much reserve. And so, you know, that's a bit, you know, comparing ourselves to what someone else bought or coveting something we saw in an ad another very dangerous that's how you end up in debt because you're paying for something you can't afford and and god gave us the spirit of self-control right he gave us he we are imparted with self-control we have the ability to control our decisions and i'm speaking to you know i mean there's a lot of things that i need to change a lot of ways that i need to to use that self-control but at the end of the day, it's about being disciplined. And who are we surrounding ourselves with? You know, that's another thing. The enemy knows. If we're sitting there staring at our phones, social media, eight hours a day, we're getting some bad stuff. We're getting some things that we don't we don't need. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, I mean, another one I put, which I think goes along with that, is the feeling of discontentment and him wanting us to be never satisfied. Never satisfied. And, of course, we're not going to be satisfied if we're not filling ourselves with Christ. And he knows that. That's why he's trying to distract us away from that all the time. Because our fulfillment, you know, yeah. I almost said unfortunately. It's not unfortunately. Like, our fulfillment is filled with that. And unfor and then, unfortunately, we tend to look somewhere else for those things. Or we think this is going to fulfill us. And nothing will ever fulfill us like nothing. God does. Um, mm -hmm. And then we also have 
the pride, the pride that's wrapped up in ownership and success. And, you know, even if you are like the best Christian, pride is always going to be knocking on your door, uh, whether you realize yeah. it or not. I think sometimes we think you have to have a huge ego and I can give you a humble, humble person and still pride will be knocking on that door of, of you know, and that, that wraps up in the whole keeping up with the Joneses. So. And there's so much yeah. of that, um, let's see, and distraction I put on there, like you have said, and the false idols, again, it's not the form of a golden calf. It is things that we are, you know, we, we say worship something, we think we're like bowing down to it. But if we are like, have you seen people who have like shrines to like their purses almost or something like that i know you've had to like seen a video or something and you're like like dude you're (laughs) you know what i'm saying i know like special lighting and special shelves and it doesn't even have to look that ridiculous i mean hello you are building an altar to a thing yes truly for and it doesn't have to look that special, but just we have to, as Christians, keep that in check. And, you know, that's something the Holy Spirit to convict you. Like one day if you're sitting there, you know, polishing whatever collection and you go, oh, hold on a second, you know, and, and he may convict yeah. you when the time is right for you to deal with that. But it's all. Yeah. And I absolutely, I've had to have some conviction on that kind of stuff. And earlier, I was thinking earlier about, because you mentioned success and success a, a lot of times I personally have I've defined success based on what I see in the world and what the yeah. world thinks is successful and I've prayed several times I've had conversations with God about what I want I want your success I want what you define success for me I, that's what I want in my life and I one of my oh I hate these stupid questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? I've always hated those questions. Like wherever God tells me to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where where am I gonna see myself? But I started to think about all the ways that we are set up for failure, basically. We're set up to see ourselves as disappointments. Like, okay, what if I say, okay, in five years from now I'm gonna be doing this. Well I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. And then what if five years from now, I'm nowhere near what I thought I was going to be, and suddenly I feel like I've, I've failed. But have you really failed? Well, and you have, have you really? Really, you could even be planning for tomorrow. Like, you could like, have every intention of these are the things I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And you and I both know <laughs> you're like one flat tire away from your whole world being upset today. <laughs> There's that, that tire, tire reference. I'm gears. I'm moving the tires. <laughs> But it's true. I think, again, it just goes back to the same with finances. God is in control of everything. And as long as we recognize and give him honor and glory for for what he's brought into our lives and just know that it could change. We might have an idea of where we want. And I'm not saying goals are bad. I'm all for setting goals. I'm a big goal setter. But I think that you just have to be willing to fluctuate and go with the flow, go with where yeah. God leads you, because we all, we know it's going to be for our good. We know that everything he does is good, and he's incapable yeah. of anything else. So if we have this mentality that, okay, this is what I have today, and this is what I would like to do tomorrow, but 
maybe tomorrow God has a different plan for us. And it, I guarantee you, it's like you said with the leather wallet, you know, checkbook cover. It's going to be so much better than what we thought it was going to be we anyway. We just have to get out of our own way, basically, and let him, you know, show up. Sure. And a lot of times we do. We want him to show up. Like, we get ourselves in trouble. And we're like, okay, I recognize that I'm in trouble. And God, hey, can you fix it? And, you know, he'll provide us some ways, but he is not a genie. And one, I just made the note of like, because of that whole, to go back to him wanting us to be dependent on him, if he goes and fixes it, we're no longer dependent on him again. We're back to our old ways. And I put down the, right. um, the verse, the Romans 5, 3 through 4, but basically, you know, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope that it's a cycle on purpose. He's like, I'll let you get yourself in trouble. I'll help you slowly get out. But if we don't, if we have that magic wand and everything's okay again, are we going to really change our behaviors? Are we really going to start, okay, now, God, I'm really going to, I mean, and he, you may truly have a change of heart, but I don't feel like that that's what changes the heart is that the easy fix never does. Like, of like, I remember how hard it was to get out of this mess last time. I'm not going to do it again. Well, and that's part of the story. That's part of my personal story. And part, I, I firmly believe God has used that. And when he called me to do this stewardship curriculum and all the things that are involved with that, it's because I, I mean, we, we were, here I was in banking at the time, and we had check advances out. We had collection accounts we, we, yeah. it was awful. And I'm sitting here telling people, this is what you need to do with your money. Yet I wasn't making good choices. And then, and then we started tithing. This is why I'm such a huge proponent of tithing. And I tell people, look at, at the end of the day, it's between you and the Lord. Do it's not guilt. You have that conversation. I'm not telling you, you must do it. This is between you and the Lord. But I've seen personally, when we started to tithe, and I don't even, of course it was Holy Spirit, but I don't remember exactly what it was that started, like, hey, why don't we try this? We've, we haven't, we started and we haven't stopped. And amazingly, we're giving 10% of our gross income yet we're able to pay off all these check advances. We were able to pay off these collection accounts. We were able to save for a car, for a house. Like all of these things just started to come. And it's like, okay, I personally have seen what God will do when you're faithful with tithing, when you recognize that this isn't the way and you, you repent. You're like, I, this is wrong. I can't do this. And I, I want people to understand that especially kids, especially people who are new and to the whole adulting world, you know, you walk into a bank or something and you're sitting across from somebody who you think is an expert. Don't feel intimidated because more than likely they're going through some serious things and yeah. you have every right to ask questions. You have every right to, to say, no, well, I don't feel like this is the yeah. right choice yeah. for me. Question the motives. I mean, that's when that whole critical thinking comes into play. So I, I just wanted people good counsel, like all the time. Like I don't, we don't, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. That's actually in Proverbs fifteen twenty two. I read that down. Was I'm like, I don't. This this isn't the end all right here. This is gonna. This may take some serious right. counseling. It take, I have a, a, a certificate in this, and I still learn stuff all the time. And of course, it's not a biblical certificate, but 
um, you know, I learn all the time. You learn all the time. You were all the years in banking and so forth. So, so keep seeking the wisdom and the counsel, and of course, God's way. But I think you hit it too of when you said, mm-hmm. we go back to the Jeremiah 29 11 again, you know, for I know that the plans I have for you, this is part of my plan. He's saying it's tithing is part of that plan. And I'm trying to tell you, it sounds crazy that giving <laughs> will lead to prosperity. It just seems backwards, and that's yeah. why it's so hard for people outside the church to do it. But he actually says we can, t- this is like the one thing he's like, test me, I'll show you. I'll show you on this. And yeah. so how many other things does he say test him on? And he's saying, this is something that I know doesn't make sense, but I created the world and I know it works. So... Right. And it does, and it's this, I mean, you would, until you actually do it, it makes no sense. Like, how are we giving this money away, but we end up having more money than we've ever had before? It's just weird. It's it's not I, weird. I say that all the time. But like, no, it's not weird. It's gone. But I have to check myself. <laughs> <laughs> but until you actually do it and, and try it, and just, and just try it, just try it. What's it going to hurt to right. just try it? And then you'll see, and it's, and I, it's not just financial blessings. It's, yes, we have seen an abundance of that, but it's relationships improved. It's, um, you know, things that have been, that's discipline, right? Yeah. I don't even think about, and that's another thing that's so, it, it, it's not even, I don't miss it. I don't think about it. It just, it happens. We do it. We get, and it feels good. We like doing it. I do, I do want to say and suggest that people, it's part of due diligence. Um, you know, make sure, make sure who you're giving to is in alignment with God's plan and with where he wants you to go. And there are websites you can go and check and look and kind of get an idea of who who are some of these churches affiliated with and who are they supporting and you know it, are they in alignment with the biblical doctrine what are they is doing this, with it? is this I mean, a are good, they really be in the hands and feet? what are they doing not a lot of people um you know during katrina which i have another note real quick about katrina but um i had a lot of people tell me like they they gave to this that, and the other during katrina and i'm like awesome I mean, I hope it reached somewhere, but I'll tell you, a lot of people were not receiving what was being given. A lot of people. Right. And, and I think, unfortunately, people have that desire to yeah. to help. And so, again, that's just another way that we can get taken advantage of because we do have a genuine right. desire to help. So just just I that I would strongly suggest that people just start, you know, do a little poking around and see see what's going on there behind the scenes before you jump in aboard. Make sure it's a good place for, for that well, money to go. It doesn't always look like, you know, this money necessarily goes straight to the church because it could be this money goes mm-hmm. to this Christian organization, this money goes to this Christian organization and give so much for my nephew to go on his mission trip. Uh, because he now yeah. has a true heart for ministry, and for even if, even if he doesn't do enough on the mission trip, for for me to know that he now is changing his heart for for a diehard like mission and reaching people, if that's what it takes, then he goes out and saves all these people, even not on that mission trip, but another trip. You just don't know how God's gonna use it, but, right? Uh, right, and that's why wealth is a good thing. 
That's why wealth is a good thing, because without wealth, without that reinvestment into the kingdom, people wouldn't be able like to that do that. And think the about the, I like that phrasing. Of it. Yeah. yeah. So quit calling it tithe. Call think it reinvestment about, in the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, I mean, that's exactly yeah. what it is because you're you're going to see the fruits of that, and think about the good that your nephew is going to do, and think about what that's going to spark. It's exactly. exponential. I mean, everything don't, don't grows. Look at this There's an addition, and and that also reminds us of um, you know our our where your treasure is, so is your heart. Where you know, and that our finances mm -hmm. are are a big reflection of our heart status. Truly, um, mm -hmm. truly, yeah. There's another scripture yeah. real quick. I love the one about the um, the kingdom of heaven. It's the guy, he goes, he sells everything that he owns. The, yes, the field. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven is like a field. The guy goes and sells everything. So, so he's like, this treasure so amazing. I'm going to go and like sell everything. And yes, I love that one too. I love that. I mean, I just love the idea of being so, you you recognize, it's to me it's about recognition. It's about recognition of the import, what's important. Is it the material goods that we have here on earth, which are going to get us nowhere and we're not going to be able to take them with us? Or is it this kingdom of heaven that's sitting there, it's eternity? I mean, you know what's so funny I just, is, I'm sitting here yeah, like, amazed because I'm like, you would think we like script this stuff because like it leads so perfectly in like that one story I was going to share that I'm like, man, it's like, here's your perfect lead in, Trisha. Um, <laughs> like, cause we don't script it, but I mean, I've got my notes, but that's different. Um, and Sarah's got it all up here, but, um, I was, I was talking this week, uh, just a couple days ago. Um, one of my really good client friends, um, he's client and a friend and he's like, well, you'll have to talk to him on the phone one day, Sarah. He's one of the funniest guys. I've ever talked to um, and he's a good Christian because we always end on a little bit of a little Christian like little little Bible time or whatever God time I love it and, yeah. um, and he, he can be like now that he knows knows and like I kind of figured out so I mentioned it and like now that like that gate is open he like loves it and uh, so he was mentioning something and I was like I have to actually tell you something I said, I'm, I said I'll try to keep it short but I told him real briefly about what, kind of what we went through with Katrina and we were talking about having peace in the middle of a storm and how you know I've never forgotten how my non-believing sister said over and over and over again how are you so calm how are you so calm how are you so calm and um, you know we went through a lot and one of the things that we did was you know we had such a long time where we didn't know what we had left um, because we knew there was a really good chance we might have lost everything, if not a good substantial amount. We really had no idea and we had no good way to go find out in a fast way. So that instant gratification was, you know, out the window. And so you're sitting there and going, okay, I've got to start coming to grips ahead of time. Well, that's me is I've got to start coming to grips ahead of time if we've lost everything. And so I start kind of going through like almost an inventory of like, um, well, you know, the kids wouldn't have this. And I'm like, that's replaceable. And the kids wouldn't, we wouldn't have this. That's replaceable. Um, and I just start realizing like, you know what? It's all stuff. And like you said, I can't take it with me. And I'm like, you know, the saddest thing I would be was like the baby pictures. But, oh, first of all, my youngest was six months old. So like, I think we could make up six months. <laughs> 
don't think my mother-in-law has a picture. Like, I'll just get pictures from everybody. My my stepson was a little different, but then I realized, I was like, there's a lot of people who have pictures of him all over the place. Of course, again, this is before the digital world so much. Um, but um, I was like, okay, that's, that's it. That was all that I would be really that upset about. I've got my family. I've got my faith. I'm okay. And everything's just stuff, and it was, you know, we can build again. We build it once from nothing. I mean, nobody helped us. We always say that, like, we, we did, God, God helped us. But no, no, we had no, like, family, you know, influx of money or any kind of assistance at all. And so, um, like, well, if we did it once, well, we could do it again. It's okay. And I was telling him this and, and just the piece of the story and so forth. And he gives me this tidbit that no one's ever said, and it was so good, um, so he said the reason why he said imagine this he said you're in a camper you have stuff in the camper you're going on a trip and you're in a car accident and like the camper was like completely wrecked and you lose everything in the camper he's like are you going to be upset no he said because that's not your home you have another home he said that's just your temporary home he's like you weren't upset because this is not your home this is temporary. Your, I know, Ooh. I know. So I was like, oh, That's buddy, awesome. that was good. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm telling you, this guy, he is something. Um, I was like, oh, that is so good. This is our temporary home. And that, and so even for, you know, me or whatever, like we've been, and it was funny, I shared that in our Bible study group and she sh- shared with me that they, her and her good friend used to joke, like, let's live like we live in a timeshare. And I was like, what? And she said, well, you know, you don't have everything when you live in a timeshare. You don't have all this stuff. You have the basic needs and the basic necessities and you get a little creative. So she's like, if you need a garlic press, you don't have one. You got a glass and you're like banging the garlic or whatever. <laughs> And you may do with what you have, but if you live, she said, now I'm going to switch that phrase to uh, let's live like we live in a camper. So there's a whole mentality about it of like living more sparsely, but also living like this is our temporary home because our, yeah. It is. And I think that puts a lot in perspective. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it, it does. That's No, that's fantastic. I mean, that's something to think about yeah. for a little bit. Um, yeah. That's that's an amazing it. viewpoint. I love, it I love it. I know. I'm like, oh, we might have to make a T-shirt or something. Let's live like we live in a camper. People are like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get in there, but I do want to. I do want to like before we go, because um, like we're getting kind of at that mark, and these have run a lot longer than normal. But if we were gonna say what someone's ideal story might look like, let's give them some ideas when they're going to. Okay, I'm gonna write my story when it comes to finances. What, what you shout out some of the things that would come on to your head of like again I always remind people like this isn't always where you're at now because some of it is maybe but if you can say like this is an ideal story what are some things that you would say for that ideal story so do you mean an ideal story is then here are some ways to handle your finances or some emotions and feelings that would come well, so, from so we'll talk in a second winner. about the things that serve that story, and that would be kind of the way of your handling it. But if you were at the end of your lifetime and you okay. were looking back and someone was going to basically, gosh bless it, give a eulogy about how you handled your finances, what would someone say about your finance? Like, uh, I'll give you a couple examples. So I'll throw some out there and you can chime in. So 
Like I had the finances to be generous. Um, I spend less than I earn. I tithe. I don't have debt. I have savings for emergency, but not overabundant. Um, a life full of love and memories um, rather than stuff. Like a friend said recently, spend the time with people and not the money. <laughs> um, uh, balanced savings, content, humble, um, and that I don't hold my treasures here on earth. So those are some of my examples of like what I would want like my story regarding money be, to be. Yeah, I, I would say ditto to those for sure. But definitely the not only the ability to be generous, but that desire to be generous, the um, ability to recognize that that and have that faith, that full on like develop that faith and knowing with a hundred percent certainty that God will provide, that He's He's provided everything, that He's never been um, He's never not come through for us. And we know that's true, but I, I want, like to be reflection I want of to that really, trust, basically. I like that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like right. A, a faithful, yeah. faithful. Um, yeah. And then just, I think, fear, you know, that I didn't fear, that I didn't have fear around finances, which kind of goes to that provision. Well, and I wasn't to, wrapped up in, in um, that worry or constant thinking, I think. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that... Um, that the legacy that I pass on isn't financial necessarily, but that I that I started foundational habits, foundational financial habits, that I, I was a good example to my children, to those coming behind me. I don't have children, but I'm speaking <laughs> like I do. Because we are, whether we have kids or not, somebody's watching what I'm doing. Yes. Everybody's watching what we're doing. Even so. if it's that I was, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That I that I had those good financial. That I learned from my mistakes. That I recognized that I did make mistakes, but I learned from them, and that I set a good foundation in place for those coming up behind me. Um, I think that those are some of the things. Those, those are the are ones good. I can those think of off the top ones. of my very, head. Very good, and, then, and I think you could probably go back to some of the other stuff that we said and probably add on to that. Because I think we just collaboratively really came up with a lot of what God's plan is. And I mean, that's the end of end of it, is that it needs to reflect what God's plan is. And if we're going to be better, the closer we are to his plan, the better we're always going to be. And I, I really just want to see myself, too. I have this vision of the way I... I actually had this vision once of being on the back of this ship with with Jesus at the helm and a vision it was an yeah. imagination kind of thing it wasn't a vision um, it's not a mirage. Jesus was at the helm and I was just throwing right and I was just throwing coins off the back of this ship it was just like a and I I want to be I want to truly be a vessel so everything just pours into me and pours that's out good. like that's that's, good. that's what I want it's really good yeah. well and I lost what I was going to say. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, no, that, that vessel um, image is so good. And, um, yeah, maybe it'll come back to me. I was just, like, right here, and then it was gone. But that's okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, we just want to be that reflection. And I like that being a vessel and, and, and so forth and, and letting his, his goodness flow through us. Um, so some things that would serve that story. 
Um, I think what it was funny because you said waiting, and that is the top of my list is waiting. You know, that means saving because like that one encompasses a lot of stuff. It's saving for a little bit instead of getting a loan or putting on a credit card. Um, means you're seeking his will mm -hmm. before you spend the money, um, and you're weighing out like what what am I really supposed to do with this? Does this further the kingdom? Is this the best thing? You know, for that. Um, so I think waiting, like like you said, is is probably pivotal <laughs> in in how you are with your finances. Um, planning mm -hmm. for giving and saving, like planning for all the parts of it, basically. Planning more, basically, I think serves the story. Um, not focusing on things. Um, careful, being careful social media was one that I put on there. Um, be very careful about what you're into. I think even beyond that, just be careful what is coming in. You know, I had a really good friend who used to remind us all the time of that little um, Bible song. I don't know if you've heard it, but the be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little hears what you hear. Um, she can see it a lot better. I'm not going to sing it, but uh, look at it. But, it, but it's uh, this little sweet little Bible song of be careful of what you take in. Um, and so, um, not comparing, budgeting, prayer, those are some things that would serve that story. Do you have some add-ons of things? I always love your thing about not storing the credit cards or debit cards in the, um, online market, Amazon, whatever. Yeah, in your cart. Yeah. Like an automatic, yeah. I, yeah, that's a terrible, that's so easy Don't make to it just, easy. yeah. Yeah, big proponent. Don't, don't store them. Yeah. <laughs> don't make it easy on yourself. Um, so, definitely, I would uh, fasting from social media. You know, making being diligent. Social media, just any kind of TV. You know, whatever falls into that category. Entertainment. Pull your go outside. You know, find a way to completely disconnect. I think that that serves because suddenly when we remove ourselves from all of those distractions, because you're playing the comparison game on social media, you're distracted from God, you start to see yourself, your life as not being exactly what you want it to be. It's not nearly as good as Bob down the street. You know, you start, really a lot of our problems are right here in the yeah, I didn't go on a vacation. You're not being inundated with ads telling you that you're you'd be better if you did X, Y, and Z. Um, and really, the budget I cannot say enough. Of course, I'm in the throes of getting that budget course done, and it really is. I like to think of it as a weapon in our arsenal Ooh, in financial yeah. spiritual warfare, because whenever it all comes back to it takes fear and desperation out of it, it out of situations a lot of times because we haven't planned we haven't prepared we don't know what to do it, it helps when we employ critical thinking skills with our budget we're when we it teaches us how to step back and just be more objective yeah, instead and of just subjective saying, this doesn't um, fit this month <laughs> at least for now and right. it's going to have to wait yeah right Right, and it it gives us opportunities for investment, so we can grow the money. Which, when we grow that money, it improves our household and improves the kingdom of God. It helps us recognize the benefit of freedom. 
I mean, time is money, money is time. Time is money. Time is money. How many times have you heard that saying? Time is money. It's because there's value. It's a diminishing asset. We're only given so much. And so anything that sucks our time, it's taking away from our true purpose. It's preventing us from serving a purpose, the purpose well, the that God created us for. What you realize God wants for our life in general, not just for our money, you, the more you can recognize, like, oh, the devil's trying to use this to steal my attention, my time, my um, the time I spent with my family. Um, now, like, we may have had a great five-day vacation, yeah. but I am now going to work the rest of the year until 10 o'clock at night to pay for that vacation, um, whereas I could have spent poly time differently um, and maybe not so wrapped up in, like, mm-hmm. the economy or something like, you know, but, you know, the economy is stealing all of it. And I know what I was going to say a minute ago that I think, and, and this is something I try to check myself all the time. But I feel like I have to remind myself, like, our lives should look radically different from what the world says. Truly. Radically different. And so, like, if you could have one goal besides the fact of just, like, trying to follow all that God says, I think it should be to look significantly, look weird. Look weird to everybody. And you know you're probably getting closer to the mark because... It doesn't look like everybody else. It certainly doesn't look like what the ads tell you it's supposed to look like. Yeah. So. And that's so that's so hilarious that you brought that up. I was literally thinking about that like two days ago oh, in the that, shower as awesome. I was yeah. like getting ready for the day. I'm thinking about praying and all of this stuff, and I'm like. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want any part of this world at all. Like, why don't I just do something crazy and just do everything that the world says to do? Just do the opposite. Like, not where I'm at right now. Like, whatever they're telling me is the best thing for me. I'm not going to do the opposite of that. I don't think so. And I'm like, you know what? I'm already weird and I'm either, you're either going to like me or not. So whatever. (laughs) I'm going to find my people. They'll all, you know, we'll all be a bunch of, we're peculiar people, right? That's we're set right. aside. That's we're set right. apart I mean, for a reason. We're not supposed to be. We're all supposed to be living right. in these campers. <laughs> I mean, I'll always tell my daughter, my kids always joke about, like, that they'll try, like, if I, like, kind of purposely embarrass them, they'll they'll try to get me back. And I'm like, oh, honey, you can't embarrass me. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you think that'll embarrass me? I'm, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody goes and buys a camper tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah. I think I think that's a big part of it. I think that that's a good testing point of going. Do I look like the world? Because we're not supposed to be of the world. We're just supposed to be existing in the world because this is not our permanent yeah. home. And um, do you have anything yeah. specifically? I mean, a lot of that kind of covers it, but anything specifically that like you would caution of like, if we usually go over like the not serving the story, but I feel like we kind of sort of said a lot of that, but anything really, like, maybe if you picked a few stress points of like, these things are really not going to serve God's story if you do these things on the regular. Do you have any of those things? Like, these are going to mess you up financially. Oh my. Um, for sure. Oh, payday loans, title loans, uh, check advances. Those are going to mess you up immediately. Um, (laughs) 
Base anything that's anything that's marketed as convenience. I call it the convenient tax. I Watch was just out. on that. So, mom, you know, there's a tax for convenience. It's always convenience tax. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Nothing's free. Watch out for anything that's marketed as free. You know that old economic saying: "There's no such thing as a free lunch." It's true. Watch out for those buy now, pay later's. They've been around for a long time, but now you can. I. <laughs> I don't know when the last time you went online shopping for something completely like groceries. I think Instacart now offers that buy now, pay later. You can break up your grocery purchase and four payments, four easy and convenient payments. Watch out for that stuff. Run from that. Because suddenly this $4 that you're, you know, oh, it's just $4 a month. Yeah, well, okay, now suddenly you're going to find yourself. It's like the stupid cable deal, right? How many of us cut off our cable to it's 120 a month? Well, I can save money if I do streaming services. And now we're spending 200 bucks a month on on all a cart. That's another thing. If it's all a cart, it's right. going to start adding up faster. So watch out those buy now pay later's. Don't get me started. I mean, people are buying stuff. They think, "Oh, this is great. It's no interest." Just wait until you miss well, a payment even and then still, see how you're convenient behind it is. the eight ball because you're basically spending money you already don't have. And oh, so- yeah. Anytime you're spending money you don't already have, right. then you're like you're gonna always be behind. Like when you get here, you're gonna still yeah. be paying for back here. So it's like those. It's some of the bigger banks are starting to authorize overdrafts up to fifty dollars with no NSF fee. So you're not going to get hit with it. So what is that doing but creating a mentality that it's okay for us to go into the negative? An extra fifty dollars, like. You know how, like, uh, I told my kids, you know, like, when you learn to drive, pretend like there's not a reserve. When it's on E, you're on E, you know, because the second you know what your reserve yeah. is, oh, I've got, I've got 20, 30 miles. No, you don't, because you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get a traffic no. jam or something. Don't. Yeah, that $50 is not yours. And then, because what happens? Then suddenly it leads somehow along the line they're going to offer you a credit card. Or they're going to offer you a line of credit or something. Because I'm telling, I know with 100% certainty that's where that's going to go. And so already you're not, you're thinking about not spending what you have but that, what you I think don't that, have. If you boiled it down, that's I think that's a really, like spending what you don't have is going to be... In every way, shape, and form, it's going to mess you up, and you will not reap the blessings that God has planned for you. So, yeah. no, That's good. no, good stuff for sure. Don't get me started on that buy now pay later. I mean, I've seen it in business. Like, uh, I just recently found out that Square, who's one of those common point of sale systems, offers a very much like a payday loan kind of scenario. And I was like, what? Yes, and I'm like, oh, merchants. that's so bad. And, and, so, and then, so when a business has a good day, um, they're paying a percentage of that day instead of like, oh, I have a good day. I can catch up on stuff. No, you can't. You're behind. You're still paying for what was here, and now you're here. And so, and like, you're always going to be paying for behind you is how it works. So, yeah. You so, never, yeah, and it, oh, those those are terrible for business like, owners. I've oh seen word, so many business owners get in bad situations because of those merchant card sweep, and they'll do daily ACH sweeps, and they will hit yeah. you. Yeah, 
It's bad. It's bad. It's so. It's, it's there's so many things to tell people to watch out for. Um, I mean, really, if you go back to it and you go back to the waiting and you go back to the seeking God first and seeking counsel, like, is this a good thing? You probably, if you're starting to ask that, you probably already know the answer. To be honest, but. You yes. know it's not a good thing. And don't make a decision at 2 in the morning. Don't make, don't apply for a personal loan with an online lending company at 2 in the morning. Nothing good is happening no, at 2 in the morning. And what do you need, what do you need you cash wait for at 2 in the morning? Nice no. and rusted. Well, you're you're desperate. That, there's a desperate, there's nothing that, You know how always you're like, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. You're it's it's a very similar concept. Yeah, set yourself up when you're weak. Yes. Don't don't do it. You're like, oh, I'm weak right now. Nope, right. I'm not gonna do it. So you've got to. So yeah. I think that I think those yeah. two are hand in hand. I know if the other one for sure. Oh, if I go shopping grocery shopping when I'm hungry, we are gonna have some junk that we will never have otherwise. <laughs> so. Eggs, the potato so chips. We talk to the outside aisles, and we do it when we're not hungry. If I have to, I'll get a snack on the way to the grocery store. But it's the same thing. You, you set yourself up yeah. for failure. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be aware. But, um, you know, I, I, I think I had him. I know I didn't hit on it, and I know we got to wrap it up. But the, the devil doesn't – like, tempting is tempting. Like, you guys have to realize that, like, signing away your soul doesn't isn't a pitchfork – and a contract that's very obvious. It's you know, did Eve, did Eve act afraid of the serpent? No, she's like, oh, saw me on, saw me on she's just that apple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that fruit looks so good. And it, by the way, it was you know food that right off the cliff, you know. But tempting is tempting, meaning it is hard to see. It is very deceptive. It is, it looks really good. And so I think that's what we really have to remember to check ourselves. Tempting is tempting for a reason. It looks good. So. Well, thank yeah. you, Sarah. Is there anything you want to, so you said you're coming with a budgeting yeah. class. Give us a minute and tell us a little bit about what's coming out for that. Yes. So it is six courses. It's going to be roughly two and a half hours. It's online. It's a video course. And then it comes with homework, but it's going to be some, I'm taking the budget and breaking it down step by step by step. So we'll do, we'll talk about some basics. We'll talk about pre-planning. We'll um, have some practical applications. So you'll do some outside homework, do some cost rate? projections, do some age on this. So the focused age, everything that I do is is high school, like rising juniors and seniors. But I was thinking this morning, honestly, this is a course that parents could sit along yeah. and do it with their kids as well. Yeah, because it really is. It's it's very much like bare bones, basic kind of stuff. If you've had no experience with it, and I go into investment, different investment vehicles, um, because that's a big part of it. Talking about how budgeting creates those opportunities for investment. So we talk about that. Of course, everything I do is spiritual warfare based. I'm talking about stewardship. So. It's, it's hopefully I will have it completed and up and ready. I sell it on Udemy. You can go through my website to find it, um, which is www.stewardshipadvisoryservices.com. And, and I mean, I would say from all I know about people in finances, I don't see anything wrong with the person who does not have a kid to sit next to them to go through that course at all. Um, because there's so many people, you are not alone. 
like 95% of people that I've ever talked to don't have a clue. And so don't feel bad about going and signing up for that class and be like, you know what? I will pretend like I didn't learn this in high school or whatever, and I'll go through the class. Didn't learn this so. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's, it's, I, I thought maybe I should repackage this just so people don't feel like it's for kid level because it's not. It's very, it's, I, I want people to feel confident. I'm a big time. Let's, let's take all of the fear out of finances. Let's focus on the good that can happen. Cut yourself some slack. Give yourself some grace. It's a learning process. It's okay. You know, and so that's really the tact I take and just make th making them aware of some things that will happen when you budget and some opportunities that you will have when you budget right. that you wouldn't right. if you weren't and budgeting. That, that so. is not a four-letter word. And <laughs> so. It's not. Oh. And I, you know, being such a nerd, I get really excited. I'm like, okay, I can't be this excited. Well, <laughs> but mean, it I is. I mean, such good came like from it. To this or watched it, however they they take this, I think that they would feel your wealth of your wealth of information, and you do have a passion about it. And the truth is, like, even if you don't nerd out about it, like Sarah and I do, because we get a little nerdy about it. But because um, money is really both of our 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 passions in some ways of not in a bad way but um yeah but you know i mean i work with businesses to help them be basically better stewards with their their money on business side so but um i, I would feel like that they would even if they're like can't be passionate about it that they could like take a little of our joy <laughs> off of it skim a little off the top and, and get a little excited about it so i hope so <laughs> I hope yes, so. we've we got plenty to go <laughs> around. Really there, so. I think it's such a gay conversation. I'm so excited. I'm always yeah. just—I want to say amazed or it's—it's it's just truly astonishing what he always brings in. And um, it, I don't know about you, but I walk away feeling like, wow, that was—that was something. So. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I, and I, I know I could talk. I'm trying hard not to continue to I talk to because I feel oh, like I could go again. on for we just hours talking about it. all absolutely. this stuff. We have, to, we have to get back in that, in that regular schedule because I do think a lot, a lot of people really take a lot from these conversations. And you think, well, this gets redundant, but I don't think so. I don't think it does at all. I think there's, obviously, we could go on forever. We went an hour and a half just long. So, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a, there's a value in hearing. Sometimes it takes 10, 15, 20 times to hear something and, and before it finally sinks in. I mean, in, just so. like the story with the camper, like him throwing that at me, I've told the other part of the story a hundred times, and someone throws something at me, I'm like, he just totally threw the perspective, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you guys for listening or watching the uh, Habits of Hope podcast. Make sure you check out Sarah's website, her curriculum. I think there's so much to be gained for it. We look forward to her coming back next time. We will be praying for you guys. See you next time on Habits and Hope. See ya.